This is exactly right. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Hello! This is That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. I am Lisa. And I am Kara. And every week, you know what we do. We talk about an episode of SVU. We talk about the true crime it's based on. And then we talk to a delightful actor from the episode. And before we do that, we like to chit chat. Lisa? Yeah. So you went shopping yesterday. What was that about? (laughs) What happened? What happened? It was traumatic. Honestly, it was traumatic. I haven't gone shopping truly in three years, at least. I mean, besides trying to find something for a friend's wedding, maybe almost two years ago, but like, I really haven't gone shopping in like three years. And I didn't realize that like, there's nothing in the malls anymore. Like everything's online and I hate online shopping and I'm just going to have to get the fuck over it because There's nothing in the stores. We went to Nordstrom and there were like three racks and there were all these Christmas trees set up for sale. And my friend that our friend that was with us was like, there's more Christmas trees than clothes in here. Like it was just really tough. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. I've been telling you to shop on the internet for years. (laughs) I I go free returns, two day shipping. You can get multiple sites. You can return and you've been fighting. You love running errands. It's like good. You can like try it on with your own shapewear. You can try it on with your shoes that you're going to wear it with. You can like, 
It's definitely better. I just, I can't tell what anything looks like online. Like I've ordered full things and like they come and I'm like, this pattern is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Like, so I think I just need yeah. to and then join you return the fucking it. new world. I know, but. It's you're acting like you would never return something if you bought it in a store and you would. So it doesn't matter. The errand is still there. But if I try something on and I like it, I'm not going to return it. I like to try it on and see it on. I know I'm old and old fashioned, but this is what I know. Even when coming to terms with we're around. I mean, I guess with denim, if you're trying on a lot, but I am someone that would like bring it home and return it. I don't have time. Yeah. Jeans. I feel like I have to go. I, I don't know. But it was um, it was just wild to see how little is in the stores. And also everything in stores is a monochromatic sweatsuit now. Everything like our friend was like, oh, yeah, everything's Kardashians now. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, like a sweatshirt that's beige, like ev- and with matching sweatpants. Like I couldn't believe all these stores that you could normally go to that have would have like shirts, pants like a structured dress or whatever now just have loungewear. And it's like, she was explaining it to me. She was like, I think the fashion world is just catching up with the pandemic stuff. And now it's like, we're back out in the world and they're like everything at like the gap, for example, was like 50% off. Well, yeah. And it's not even like that athleisure where now we have to switch it up. I think manufacturing and shipping and all of that was stalled. Yeah. Like they're playing lots of catch up so it was a a rude awakening to me the american mall is something i've usually enjoyed and now i feel like it's going the way of the dodo but anyway i I still i don't want you to turn your back on malls i think we could still have a great time at that out the americana i think we could have a good time at a dave and busters (laughs) i think we could cheesecake factory it i forever 21 day i don't want you to fully yeah and there's movie theaters there when movies are are more back there there will be movie theaters there so we'll have times there but it's just not for shopping for clothes. But I went to a store yesterday. Oh, you did? I went to Erewhon for the first time. Oh my gosh, baby. If you don't know what Erewhon is, it is a like a gourmet grocery store in LA. If you're wondering what Erewhon means, it is nowhere backwards. I did not know that. Oh my God, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very LA. Like if you go to the one in West Hollywood, it's like you always see like actors there. It's very green juice and, you know, organic products. I used to go there and get like kale tuna wraps and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's very, very um, healthy LA food. And did what did you think? So it is very cute in there, but it is it's like a prank. Um, So my friend and I ordered two smoothies. We got mint chip smoothies um, for two smoothies. Nothing else. It was thirty eight (gasps) dollars. Shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. So that's like that's um, that's the price that we're talking about, because I posted it on my stories and I had all these people write to me be like, "Okay, rich. Oh, my. I've never been there. I go. I've never (laughs) been here either. I just my fitness girl, Mari, I follow, loves it. And then my friend Julia, who's in town, her TikTok girl, Tinks, loves it. So we're we were just there to influence. We were there because our Internet people. It's so funny how you and Julia both have like an influencer that is your like guru. Like well, I have a couple. both have one because I also love Emma. <laughs> I also do love Emma Chamberlain. And right, she right, loves it, for- too. Yeah, I feel like for life, health and lifestyle almost you have like you both have your girls. Yeah, I actually have I have my bloom greens right here. She's trying to yeah. start a podcast. Um, I don't know. I'm obsessed with her. I don't know why she's in London right now. She visited her grandma. Like I could tell you anything you want about this woman. It's really 
It's fucking sick. I can tell you the foods she missed in London, but I always respond to all the games. She's like, where should I go eat? I'm like, I'll tell you. (laughs) But she does follow me, which makes me happy. But I wonder if she's muted me or something like I'm not getting the attention I want from her. (laughs) But I don't know if I told you, did I mention this? One of my favorite porn stars did respond to one of my stories recently. Ooh, yeah, because after I saw uh, Keith David or David Keith, you know, asked to ask Requiem for a Dream guy, once I saw him on the flight, my porn star responded. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. And then I went, oh, yeah, people are so pumped about him. I didn't realize he was so beloved. And she goes, I'm more into this for the ask to ask scene. I go, that is correct. That's on brand for sure. (laughs) Um, But he has over 325 credits on IMDb. Wait, so all the porn credits are on IMDb? No, he is a man that's in the movie Requiem for a Dream. Oh, Keith David, David Keith. He's like, I don't um, know. I've never seen that. Yes, but you know exactly who he is since he has 325 credits, right? Hold on. I have to show you everyone. It's Keith David. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know this guy. Of course you do. Sure, sure. He's uh, a villain a lot and people know him from other stuff. I think he's in Friday. I feel or no. Oh, yes. He's in Friday. Yeah. yeah, He's the bad guy in Friday. Well, one thing that we need to talk about that we haven't talked about that everyone's asking us to talk about is the letter on the last episodes of SVU. Fuck Dick Wolf for making us watch three hours of television to get to this goddamn letter. I mean, like you have to watch SVU. I watch SVU. Obviously, I'm watching SVU. And then it's like more than halfway through a two hour uh, episode of OC, which was a lot. So anyway. Lisa, I know you didn't watch, right? I did not, no. But I did watch yeah, the premieres yeah. of SVU. I know, every, you know, and it's gripping television. Dick Wolf never disappoints. Yeah. I don't, I'm not into the new detective, I'll be honest. To get rid of two people for this kind of jamoke, I don't know if I like that. But yeah, it doesn't feel like a fair trade-off, but yes. And, and for Terry Serpico, who is the blonde, as you call him, the blonde. Yeah, <laughs> Terry Serpico. <Yeah. laughs> is he related to Jim Serpico? I don't know. Who's that? He's a manager um, in the biz, (laughs) but he works with Dennis Leary and Rescue Me and stuff. And this Serpico was in it. They don't look related, but and I bet it's a popular last name, but. Gotcha. Um, So basically, if you're not if you haven't watched this yet, please fast forward or whatever. But Lisa doesn't care if I spoil this for her. No, I don't. And a lot of the Stan accounts that I follow and people that love Marishka and stuff. They were going nuts on Twitter. I mean, they were pissed about this letter. They're yelling at Dick Wolf. So what happened? Well, also, the woman who plays Kathy Stabler posted a Substack like blog about how she's gotten so much fucking hate on the Internet. And she's like, everyone needs to chill the fuck out. This is a character. And anyway, what, what did they hate her is- for? For dying? For being alive? Listen, let me for tell you. Let me a tell you. Oh, my God. Let me tell you. So what happens is. Stabler is deep undercover with like the fucking Armenian mafia or something like that. He kisses this woman. You see him making out with this hot lady at like a big restaurant party. And you've seen we've seen her spray something in her mouth and she somehow dosed him. I don't know how you spray something in your mouth and dose somebody else without dosing yourself. But he's fucked up. Like he looks like he's like walking through a fish tank when they go to his POV. He's like, like, so then he ends up at Olivia's apartment because he's fucked up, but he's undercover. So he doesn't want to like blow his cover and like go to a hospital or whatever. So he goes to Olivia and she's like, we gotta, we gotta report this. Like there's, there's protocol when somebody ingests a substance that's unknown, blah, 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 obviously playing it by the book. And then he starts like talking to her. He's like, live the letter. I want to talk. 
letter. It's like so nuts. Like he's just talking like a zombie or whatever. And he basically reveals to her that he didn't write the letter, that Kathy wrote the letter and that what's in the letter says, I hope you meet another man who's so great as you. But in a parallel universe, it will always be you and I. But he said he wrote that last line. He, he goes, I snuck it into the letter before I gave it to you. What world is this where you are forced by your wife to deliver a letter to your old partner that she wrote? Like, why did you have to give it to her at is all? Is this a post death letter or was this pre death letter? It's apparently some letter that she wrote to Olivia and that he delivered to Olivia, but right before he delivered it to her. And in the letter, it was like, you need to be with someone else. Like, you need to be with like someone who you deserve, blah, blah, blah. You know, and apparently Kathy wrote the letter. So then the next morning, everybody wakes up. Wait, but is the hold on. But is the letter Kathy being like, stay away from my man, you dumb bitch? No, the letter is from Elliot. But Kathy is the one that wrote it. Okay, I don't know why he felt the need to deliver it to her, but he did. But why did she write a letter on behalf of Elliot to Olivia to basically say fuck off like stop like nothing's ever going to happen with you and Elliot okay that's fine but they also haven't spoken a decade so when did she write this letter these are great questions Lisa I don't know he disappeared when they came back to the U.S. maybe he knew they'd be seeing it she knew they'd be seeing each other so she who knows but Everybody, the fans were livid. They were all, which is fine. You're livid, like right to Dick Wolf or something. They're all going after Isabel Gillies, who's the woman who plays Kathy Stabler. And she's like, she was like on her bathroom floor crying because of all this vitriol and hate she was getting. And this is a character she's played for, you know, she played for 12 years and she agreed to come back and like do this last hurrah. And she was like, I had no idea people like, because basically she was like, when I was in the show, over 10 years ago, social media wasn't as big. Like if people didn't like your character, you didn't really know about it. And now it's like, if they don't like your character, they're coming after you. And I just wanted to be like, I almost wanted to repost it and be like, hopefully this is none of our listeners. Like, I think the people that stand Bensler too hard are standing them too hard. They're fake characters. Like it's not real. And you need to not send vitriol to an actress who plays a dead woman on a TV show for writing a letter. Yeah. You got to save that vitriol for reality TV stars. That's yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Write to Erica Girardi. That's who you need to write. Yeah. (laughs) So I haven't been really watching Bravo, but you know, Julia's in town. Obviously we watched the Beverly Hills, um, real housewives this morning. And my heart pressure through the roof. I I hate these women. I hate them. I can't watch that. Like it's uh, Dory. Like they just sicken me. These women sicken me. Oh my God. I did. Why are you so, why, why are you so oppressed about this specific group? Because Erica is a disgusting person. And even if and she's not a out. full criminal, she, I, I, let's say she had no clue. She had no clue. If I found out that I had been living off of the money of burn victims and plane crash surviving kids, I would go, oh, my God, this is disgusting. Fuck that man. I'm going to auction off all of my stuff and I'm going to make sure these burn victims can go to the doctor. That's what you do. You don't go on and bully everyone and threaten lawsuits and act like you're the victim while you eat caviar. It's like sickening. Yeah. And so then to see everyone not support Garcelle and Sutton and just like all suck each other's dicks in this weird, creepy way. I just I hate it. And also I'm disappointed in Bravo. I don't know if we've talked about this, but it's like 
all these franchises, they bring in a woman of color and feed them to the wolves. No protection, no other people, just these rich white lunatics who are so ignorant. I don't see color. I raise everyone, you know, like, and then they get disrespected. Garcelle's being treated like shit. Tiffany's treated like shit. Ebony's treated like shit. They all have to defend their humanity constantly. And I just hate the way they've abandoned these black and Asian women to the wolves. Yeah, you're right. To these rich Trump lunatics. It's it's so irresponsible of Bravo. I think Ramona should get I mean, I think Ramona should get fired. I don't think New York's going to happen. Well, it seems like Tinsley and Leah are going to be the center of it. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's like bring in a few people or educate. Like, why wouldn't you have a full meeting with your white cast and just be like, okay, you're wrong. And this is why. And this is why this happens. And why don't you educate them? So then they're not like attacking these women that are just trying to like. I think because ultimately they want the they want that out in the they want that on TV, which disgusts me. You know? Yeah, I don't like it. But they're probably spinning it like it's a learning opportunity. There's a lot of people who think the way Ramona thinks, and she has to learn and blah blah blah. And you know, yeah, Andy always. I'm wants not saying to it's right. Andy always will defend yeah. the worst fucking people, yeah. and I don't understand it. Also, I know Chappelle dropped a special. There's all this anti-trans stuff, but it's like we know it. Why are you watching it? I'm so confused. Yeah. Why are you watching it? To make yourself mad? You know you're not going to yeah. like it. Don't watch it. You're going to watch it and then go on Twitter and be like, I can't believe it. You know he's going to say it. What's going on here? It's just, it really is annoying me. It's like, I don't like um, Bravo. I'm not watching it. I watched one this morning. Obviously, I'm in a rage. Um, but it's like, I don't watch Fox News because I know I don't agree with what they say. So I'm just not going to watch it. So it's like, if you know you're going to hate the special, why are you watching it to just make yourself upset? I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're just hearing about what he's saying and they're and they're commenting. I don't know. I, why does he keep going back to the same? Well, can he can he attack somebody else like he? Why does he keep talking about the same shit? Well, my theory, I mean, he's doubling down. He doesn't like to be questioned. This is a famous person who's been famous for decades, who's be- beloved. No one says no to him. Mm-hmm. OK, he can smoke inside in any building he wants. So it's like he doesn't hear no. So I think he was annoyed and he's doubling down. But I also think anyone that's like so anti-trans or like just hates people trying to live their truest selves um, are people that are not living their truest self. Cause why else would it bother you so much? It's like, if you're living how you want to live, other people living how they want to live should make you like, should fill you with joy. So to me, it's like, bro, did you want to wear a dress? Like, what do you want? Cause you're, are you, are you in the clock? Like, what is it? What is so unsettled in your own being that you're so not content that you can't live your truth that this, this group of people upsets you so much. Yeah, I just it's true. I just assume you're in the closet or you're just not living your truth. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. Because why are like people? That's a great point. No, that's you're right. I mean, that's that's I totally agree. You're like, oh, you have blue hair, you freak. And it's like, why does I don't honestly watch his shit? I don't 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 watch a lot of his last specials because I'm not going to like it. Like Bill Burr's had one of my favorite specials of all time. Let it go from like, I don't know, probably 12 years ago now. But I don't want to hear what he talks about now. So I don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if he compliments me at a show, I'll take it. But. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I also want to say, I know we have to start. Let me one more. We're on a TV (laughs) thing. So I, I got really into Ink Master season 10 the past two days. I just like been watching it. And it is crazy, Kara. It, so basically there's three teams and like there's a mini challenge and that team then gets to assign the human canvases to the other two teams and their goal uh-huh. is to fuck them over because they want them to get sent home so they win the money. So they're trying to 
like give you what you're not good at or like fuck you up or, oh, if it's in the ribs, that's a hard spot. He's not good enough. I'm going to. So they're basically using people's skin and permanent tattoos forever as a way to like punish their co-contestants. It's really fucked up. It's unethical. Well, we have to. Well, remember, we didn't we just meet somebody who was our Sonic Masters. Our new new PR 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 people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he got a tat, but his is little. It's like funny. He's heavily tatted already. So it's like the guy got sent home, but it's like a funny tat. Like his to me, he showed it to us like it wasn't that bad. But some of these it's like sternum chest pieces they only get six Uh, hours these people are like i want a dragon they're like we can't do a dragon so they convince them to do something else and then they leave with like dragons the most ugly uh, bad tattoos and they're giant and they're like in prominent areas or like the sharks on a line it's like so bad and i think it's so unethical for the point of the competition to screw people's lives up forever yeah but who are these people i don't know who we got to talk to this pr guy because to me i'm like who are these people that are coming in to do a full color monochromatic portrait of their like daughter on a competition show where it's rushed in six hours who are you i know that's a great question. Come forward, please. If you listen to us or you know someone like this, please come forward and tell us who these people well, are. It's like what's going on? It's you're either a tattoo person, so it's like you don't care and whatever. But the other thing is you're poor and dumb, and so then it's another layer of unethical behavior. Yeah, where Ugh. you're taking advantage of poor, dumb people who can't afford a tattoo and don't know what a good tattoo is, and so now they're getting giant chest pieces that look insane. Yeah, oh, they're getting one wild ride done on their chest. All right. Call back to last <laughs> week. <laughs> All let's right. Let's start. get started to this week because we have a great episode coming up. Hello, everybody. We are doing Holden's Manifesto today. Season 16, episode four. Ooh, this one. A lot of requests. Why? Why are know. why are audiences people like this one? They wanted requests. They're not. I don't know. This <laughs> one, uh, maybe it's because they know how much we hate insults and they want it to yeah. uh, give us Listen some to insult. Us rage. Rage. It porn. could also be this guy's kind of a little cute or something. Yeah, his character's too fucked for yeah, me to be okay same. with it. Of course. So this episode opens up on a man with a Justin Bieber hairdo. Um, he's in the park. <laughs> he's a he's a bicycle guy. You could tell he has that. Um, backpack with the seat belt the yeah. seat belt strap yeah 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 the official bicycle <laughs> backpack um and there's a backpack you know lay, i mean a bicycle laying in the back and I, you know i looked up the actor you said he's cute i was like i know him where is he from and he was in ladybird he is in this whole episode he's just such a fucking good actor so buckle up with his with his <laughs> messenger bag <laughs> So he has a selfie style making video. So that's what we're watching. And he's talking about beautiful girls who are out on dates and they're flirting and having fun on Saturday afternoon. And he's sad and he's alone. And he thinks it's unfair. Why do girls only go out with jerks? I have so much to offer. And then we cut to a stretcher in a hospital. So uh, something (laughs) happened. (laughs) Something happened from vlogging to the hospital. We see Benson, though, and we're like, what? And she's in uh, above shoulder bob with some curl and a swoop bang thing. And she's an extra protective hospital gear, like a latex robe. Yeah, they're not like they're they're like um, they're like disposable scrubs, kind of. Yeah, yeah. she's wearing something. So we're like, what's going on? Um, and it's Noah. 
Uh, he's in a machine. His fever's down. Lucy comes in, the best babysitter of all time. And I was wondering, like, is she there as a friend and a lover of Noah, or is she get she on the clock at the That's hospital? That's what I was wondering exactly. I was like, I don't know that I have a babysitter that would show up and just like take a shift at the hospital with one of my kids sans payment. But it's possible Liv has her like full time on the books or something. So it's like, come, just come to the hospital and do your shift here. I don't know. I mean, I feel like more than half of her paycheck is going to Lucy. Yeah. But, but I we've talked before about how Lucy's also the babysitter that's available at five in the morning. I yeah. mean, like she's available whenever. <laughs> Maybe she's in college to be an Olivia Benson. Ah, uh, so it's a mentorship as well. As yeah. A babysitting gig. <laughs> Um, and so Lucy comes in and goes, Amaro called, um, but he said it's urgent. She's like, yeah, of course it's fucking urgent. It's always urgent. Um, but Lucy's goes, I'll stay. So she stays. We arrive at a busy crime scene. Amaro and Rollins are there. A blonde woman's being carried out on a stretcher. Lots of press. So the suspect is male and stabbed this woman 11 times and attempted rape. Shallow wounds, which is good. Um, and it means that he's not like a professional. And he counted out for every time that he stabbed her. And Marishka goes, that ain't good. Yeah. And I agree with her. But why? Why is that? It just it implies some kind. I think it's because it implies like a, man, a manic, like OCD kind of energy. Like that's not. And if you have a number in mind, then chances are you have other plans for like a, the next number. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I do 11 times this person. It's 12 times the next person. Like, who knows what the we end up finding out. Right. But like, I don't I think that she has good instincts. <laughs> um. So I uh, got to be honest. I am ashamed, but they make this these NYPD jackets look good. <laughs> Them walking, I was like, I would wear one. It looked good. Um, I'm always, not really. I was about to say I'm always tempted at the JFK to buy a NYPD outfit, but I'm not. Yeah, I've but never, I want to I, I actually find it really insane that they it is. market that stuff to tourists. I have a fire department. I think it's different. Oh, yeah. Firefighters don't kill anyone. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Do we think? Are there firefighters like hosing down people that, and killing them? I don't know. I'm just an American history ex. Edward Norton's like dead dad was a firefighter and a racist and like was oh, sick of yeah. saving black people. Oh, that's like part. That's another movie you haven't another seen. Another blind think. spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I've never wanted to buy one, but I love shopping at airports. It's like a level yeah. of wealth that I like <laughs> to pretend I have. When I lived in Italy, I was friends with a uh italian cop and he was like when you go home will you get me an nypd like hat or like a sweatshirt and i was like i'll try massimiliano but i'm not making any promises <laughs> massimiliano um yeah i okay yeah might as well get a little apple for new york yeah <laughs> so we cut away from the big scene and the guy is just standing behind a tree and he's taping himself again while everything's happening behind him. And he goes, they're all idiots. I'm right here. And it's like, I guess they are idiots. Am I on your side? Like, what? I don't know why I can't. But he goes, nobody even notices me. They never notice me. But that will all change very soon. Everyone will know how who I am. And then a creepy laugh. And it's like Beavis and Butthead, but evil. That's how I did. Do, do yeah. you not know about that laugh either? Oh, I definitely know about that laugh. That was one of the movies I saw alone in the theater while my parents were at a different movie. Well, I watched the TV show. I didn't have cable, but I loved Beavis oh, about I Do America. The TV show all the time with my brother. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Wait, do it? I sound like a uh, nanny. Uh, 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 uh. 
Oh, and then the other one went. <laughs> We're so old. I am um, like I, I was, you know, in a little writer's room thing and I brought up like a Fresh Prince reference and they go, yeah, why don't we put a reference in from a show 35 years ago? What the? Everybody knows. No, Fresh we Prince. all laughed. It was fun. <laughs> but it was like, oh, yeah, like the teens don't know that there's two Aunt Vivs. Like, <laughs> I just caught a Fresh Prince the other day because Oscar woke up so fucking early that like, you know, when nothing's on TV yet, it's like infomercials and then reruns of old shows. So I was like watching an old Fresh Prince and it was like Will Tyra Banks is in it and Will is trying to get her but so is this other guy so they do a shot contest and they just like drink a ton of tequila taking shots to see who's the bigger man and then Will has a full uh what's the Christmas Eve move what's the Christmas a Christmas Carol moment where he meets like three ghosts and they all died in some way from drinking it's like was really like I was like this is a wild episode of Fresh Prince that I don't remember yeah they gotta teach a lesson once in a while so we're at the hospital and Benson's hair is now quickly thrown up because this has been a long ass day. And Amara was like, girl, I got this. And she's like, bitch, I'm working. Did you not see I'm number one on the call sheet? Like, I'm going to be here. Um, he's like, go home, be with your, be with Noah. I don't remember. I, I should have watched the episode before this to prep, but I don't remember what happened to Noah. She just has him. For, this is when he's really little and she just got him. He's like, yeah, he's only like he's only um four months old, I think. But he's been in a bunch of foster homes and like it's yeah. he's got some breathing problems. Yeah. Um. And the, so what we know is the victim was walking home from the boathouse in Central Park after hanging out with some friends. This guy put a knife to her throat and she does not recognize him. This guy pushed her into bushes, grabbed her breast, groped her, and he didn't seem to know what he was doing because Benson and Rollins are like, what do you mean? he didn't rape you that seems crazy yeah (laughs) it's like he just didn't know how but when she said get off me that's when he got angry and started stabbing her um and then when he got to 11 stopped and yeah and then he said this is your fault Gigi. you missed your chance and it's an old nickname she says nobody's called me that since ninth grade so it's got to be someone you knew when you were young obviously like Mm -hmm. think girl think and she's like i would have remembered him there's no way i know who this person is so back at the precinct, Ice-T is like, she's got to know him. It's got to be personal. There's no way it's not personal. So all hands on deck and the sketch looks generic, like here's a white generic man. And so they're also finding it suspicious that he waited till her friends left. So it's like, OK, he waited. He It was her like he needed it's because of her. Um, and now all of a sudden we know that there's another attempted rape. He counted out loud as well as he stabbed her. So Ice and Amanda meet the second victim in the hospital and she was coming home from a date. She opened her building door and he came out of nowhere and dragged her under the stairs um, inside and same process. No rape. She pushed him away. And when she was like, get away, he, that's when he lost it. He stabbed her 15 times, counted each time, weird smile. And he stopped. And I guess he said, I know what you like, Haley. So, yeah, it's like what you're wondering now, what's the significance of the numbers? Like 11, 15. What does it all mean? What does it all mean? Yeah, because we know who it is. These are kind yeah, of yeah, some yeah. of the unique episodes where, yeah, we know what's there's happening. no hunt for a suspect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he knew her name and she does not recognize him at all. Um, and he said, "I know I'm not your type since I'm not black, but the last time she dated a black guy was in high school." So, okay, we have a girl who what hasn't been called Gigi since ninth grade. Yeah. We have a girl who's dated black dudes in high school, and so what's going on? So there's oh god, Dodds. Oh, 
So there's something about Dodds. Um, I don't really care. But basically, he wants to do a press conference, and the squad's like, we have work to do. And he goes, I don't care. Get me more info. Stat. Like, they're right. Re- I like- just love when he walks in and acts like Olivia's just fucking reading magazines and, like, getting her nails done. Like, they're tr- they're working as hard as they can, and you cannot, like, I, I, just saying you need to be in front of Comstat tomorrow to give the kill to deliver the killer. It's like these deadlines don't make any sense. Do you think that like this happens in real cop land? Yeah, I was about to say, I know bosses like this when there's like a boss who's not really active and other people run it. They come and then micromanage to make sure everyone still knows mm-hmm. they're in charge. I, like anytime I worked at restaurants or even some cl- like you'll see the owner come in and all of a sudden just be like, why are there rags over here? And it's like. Everyone, like you're just focusing on anything that's wrong because yeah, you don't yeah. actually do anything. Right. So I've worked with tons of men like this. And I call this type of character the Con Air guy. Is this another movie you <laughs> yes, haven't seen? Yes, you know I haven't seen Con Air. We talked about it with one of our interviews. <laughs> We're going to an Airbnb. I'm tying you to a chair. <laughs> we got to watch some stuff. Kara's movie hole weekend. Yeah. So then a bunch of women come down. Um, I guess they're, I'm assuming there was already this press conference. So then like a bunch of women are coming in like, hey, actually I was stabbed. I was her who's, you know, they're going through the things and they found one woman who's like, actually, yeah, like it, it matches. Um, he called this one woman. She's blonde. She has glasses. She's like a very hipstery mustard mm-hmm. yellow shirt. Yeah. She would make you a coffee or Pixie hand you a PBR. Cut. Yeah. Uh, is PBR even hipster anymore? Oh, I don't even know. So basically. He called her JL, which are her initials. And Amara's like, yeah, but your last name's A. What does this mean? She goes, oh, that's my middle name. I worked at a restaurant. There's another girl with her same name. And when that happens, you can't have that. Right. So JL. <laughs> same MO. This girl is like, I don't remember any enemies from the restaurant. I vibed with everyone. So this person called her the one name that she gets called at this restaurant she works at. She has no recollection of fighting or having any issues with anyone at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Cut to an aggressive handcuff sex scene. <laughs> I've never seen a fucking scene this intense. This is like from Sex in the City. Yeah, it was graphic. It was graphic and hot. And they're like <laughs> hot people, you know, and it's nice to see just like not a rape. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a some nice- consensual sex once in a while is fun. Yeah. So someone's banging on the wall while they fuck and it's Holden's dumbass. And um, they're t- and he's like, they're taunting me with something he can't have. And it's like. Not everything's about you. They're just fucking. The girls are at lunch. It's like so warped. It's the entitlement because throughout this whole episode, I kept thinking like, I've gone through dry spells. I sometimes get rejected. I don't, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Women get rejected and don't get fucked all the time, but they are not as incelly. And it's because there's no entitlement to dick. But these people, it's like they have an entitlement to women. It's like a prize that they deserve and they need to have. And if not, it's a full affront to their identity. Yes. Because I get into this a lot. Oh, and the thing, yeah. because it's, it is like shocking where it's like, you think these people are fucking to make you upset? Yes, they do. They're like, I'm the center of the world. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. So he's like, all of you women who won't look or kiss me, but giving yourself to other men who don't love you and use your bodies. I love all these monologues I get to do. Um, I would, I would know how to worship you. How? You're a virgin. Yeah. Well, how do you know how to worship someone? <laughs> You're socially awkward. Um, and take care of you. How? On your bicycle. <laughs> um, but you hot girls throw yourselves at mean men who are selfish. It's just twisted. So he grabs a knife. So this sucks. Um, and he thinks he's nice and smart and superb and a good dresser and he's neat. <laughs> so 
Yeah. There's not a lot of self-awareness going on with this man. His apartment did look clean. I'll give him that. <laughs> I'll give him that. Um, he knocks on the sex door. She answers and she's like, oh, you do this all the time. What do you want? And he goes, hi, Leah. I'm holding March. Dun, dun. Benson checks on Noah and he's doing better and he's stable and breathing, but he he can't go home because the birth mom was like a drug addict and fucked up lungs and there's puncture wounds and they just have to like figure shit he out. He has like rib fractures like subtle rib fractures i think they said yeah something's off and she's you know she's like it happens to foster babies they have lung issues because they've had it rough as children so rollins and amaro go to the restaurant jail worked at and they show uh a guy there the sketch of the weird and basically the guy goes that's the weirdo bus boy cleanest grill i've ever had he has ocd but i had to fire him because on valentine's day he poured ice water on a couple that was making out so it's Holden. We all know they figured it out. We right. know this already. And the stepfather is VP of software company. So he's also a rich kid. Of course. Yeah. Grew up in Manhattan. And then well, he has his own Nyack. apartment and he's like a bike messenger. Right. Like, yeah. So it's really frustrating. And I didn't. So Nyack to me, I perform in the mall there. So I didn't think it was like a fancy place but then we know someone pretty rich that got a house up there so i'm I like is nyack rich it's it can be it's also nyack is basically like where carrie and aiden go when aiden buys the house in suffering yeah suffering and suffering um but i think it's like i have a friend that lives there she got married there it's like it's fine but i think because it's like nice and it's out of the city it's close to the city though so you can go in and out so i don't know Okay, so back to fucking Dodds' dumbass. And he's like, solve this now. Thanks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you help? A good boss goes, how can I help? Yeah. Do you, are you guys drowning? Do you have the Let resources me- you need? Yeah. It's great. It, 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 he's, he's bad. But that, this is why you don't, this is why you hate him at the beginning. I mean, you, you kind of like him only after his son is killed. <laughs> All right. We go to the mom and stepdad's house. Um, they rent an apartment for him in Murray Hill, so he doesn't even pay rent. I would say that of all of the neighborhoods in New York where someone is paying your rent for you, Murray Hill is number one. Number one. Yeah. It is in the number one uh, daddy pays my rent neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you still think you're a victim of something when you have a free apartment to live in in Manhattan. <laughs> I would live in Murray Hill. There's not that much fun. It's not my preferred, but I would I'd live there. anywhere in Manhattan and in New York for free. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, and the mom's like, oh no, what is it? So she knows what he is. Yeah. Um, we find out that he had to switch schools a lot because he was bullied. She thinks that's part of why he's in this on the spectrum and he's in therapy and he's trying, but he's socially awkward, but he's not always consistent with his meds and he's lonely and brilliant and everyone has it easy, but him and the stepdad hates him. The stepdad's like, why did I marry this woman? I hate your fucking son. Um, they give him the address. Uh, to where the apartment is and get some young photos that they could show to the girls that like maybe they could put it together from their youth. So then the cops go to the apartment building and and at that moment he's leaving to do bicycle stuff. So he thinks the cops are there to talk to the loud neighbor fucking. He goes, oh, yeah. Are you here for the loud fucking couple? And it's like, yeah, that's what the cops are doing. They don't they don't show up when crimes are committed, but they'll show up for mm-hmm. uh, also fucking will end in an hour. But it's also crazy how even killed he's being like, oh, are you here for the fucking couple? So you just killed them. Yeah. You know, he snaps at Nick a little bit. He goes, don't touch my bicycle. 
Um, he won't go inside. He's getting agitated, stressful energy. Um, when people are like, oh my God, I had no clue he was a psycho. And here it's like, oh, we all know. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's confused about him. <laughs> uh, Benson shows him a picture of JL and he admits to knowing her and they work together until he quit. Um, he says the manager was abusive. And then they say, can you help us find a customer who might have attacked her? And he said she was flirty with lots of customers. So who knows who could have assaulted her? And then he's like, wait, oh, my God, wait, did she give you my name? She remembers who I was. And then he's like, sad it was the manager. But what a piece of shit. Nick wants to take him down. And he's like, no fucking way. Starts videotaping and saying the cops are breaking my rights. They're doing illegal stuff. Yada, yada, yada. So basically they leave. But Benson goes, put 24-7 surveillance on him. I, he, he's dangerous. So they show the first victim his kid photo. And she's like, holy shit, this guy? I remember, yeah, okay. But she's like, what? what? I haven't seen him since I was 11. <laughs> So that's why. And she goes, listen, he was really shy and never talked to me. Like, what? And then the second victim said he went to high school with her brother and Holden asked her to a dance. And she said no. And Ice is trying to, like, blame her. And she goes, I was fucking someone on the football team. Like, why do I have to go out with some shrimp if I don't want to? Yeah, yeah. Women are allowed to say no. What is happening? (laughs) But this as a gender swap. Do you remember at the Met Gala when Lena Dunham was like, omar beckham jr he's a he like odell jr so yeah 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 he's ignoring me and he was he didn't think i was important enough to talk to because he didn't want to fight and he goes what yeah yeah yeah. having a good i don't even know who you are yeah i don't have to pay attention to you because you're famous yeah it's entitlements and that's where she you know this guy has it we're talking about the entitlement to women's bodies and lena dunham obviously has entitlement to some stuff so she was 15 when that happened and stabbed 15 times. So you guys get it. So she was 15 at the school dance. Um, They show the restaurant girl, but she doesn't actually like fully even remember him. And Rollins calls her boo Radley. So maybe she does read. Okay. Yeah. That's what she calls Holden. Yeah. But do you think she was trying to make a catcher in the rye reference? No, a, um, a, uh, well, I know boo Radley, but I want to kill a mockingbird. Yeah. But she calls, I know she calls Holden that, but. Because Boo Radley's like a character that like is never seen really or something. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I haven't read I, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird in a long time. I read it in high school. <laughs> but I remember it. We had to watch the movie Yeah, too. so, but that is really, because that was really funny when you were like, Rollins doesn't read. But you're right. You caught she it She got here. a Boo Radley. I never even caught that. That's true. Like, she's fully making literary references. So. Yeah. Maybe Rollins reads. Maybe Rollins just read high school stuff. Who knows? Like me. So I can't hear. <laughs> so because two of the three Vicks ID him, they go to the huge, um, like with a huge team into his apartment. But he didn't go to work and he never came out of the home. So who knows where he is? And so Benson's fucking annoyed that the detail was not detailing him. But Benson is so smart. And she goes, wait, wait, wait. He was complaining about the noise of the neighbor. We got to go in there. And immediately they open the door and find a body. And then in his apartment, he left a manifesto. And Rollins finds that. And then there's a bunch of like boxes and bullets and guns and artillery. Yeah, he has artillery. Like a full arsenal in there. Artillery. artillery. Right. So Amaro going through bullets. I liked yeah. it. It was <laughs> sexual. And the guy is tied to the bed is dead too. Like they're both dead. Yeah. Yeah, but they, I didn't. Do they show his body? They show him handcuffed to the bed dead. Yeah. Really quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, this just came to me. That's the only way he could have like killed a guy is that he's handcuffed to the bed because he's a shrimp. Yeah. Like he couldn't actually overtake a man. He was only able to do it because the guy was handcuffed to the bed and powerless. Jeez. Fucked up. 
Oh, so then the video that's on the laptop is him over the neighbor's dead body saying, you should have given me attention, but it's too late and you can't hide and I'll be coming for you. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like very scary. It just, it is because these people are real. Yeah. And they're treated not like full-blown criminals as they should be. Mm-hmm. We'll get Early to it. We'll, not, okay. we'll get, oh my God, we're going to get to some really. All right. I got to speed through because I cannot wait to hear. <laughs> So Benson and Rollins and Ice are leading a giant meeting with all the cops, lots of plans, and Dodds is crossing his arms at being annoying. And Benson said, um, do not be certain that there's going to like be a continual pattern, like anything can happen, so be ready. And he leads from the shrink. She says he doesn't have enough anger to commit these acts, but also left town just in case. So <laughs> <laughs> my kind of therapist. And the parents are on their way. Uh, she gets a call and she has to take it. And it's the doctor and Dodds is like, you need to talk to me now. And she looks annoyed, but she's like, okay, like, God, these episodes make me crazy where everything's just coming down on Olivia at the same time. It's like, she's just trying to be a good mom to this foster child. And like her boss is being a dick and there's a fucking killer on the loose. And like, the foster agencies being awful to her. Like, it makes me crazy. It is. And so um, he's pissed, Dodds. You had him and you let him go. And she's like, nobody ID'd him at that point. And he was smart and he knew all the laws and there wasn't probable cause. He goes, you create probable cause. Hit him. Provoke him. It's like, okay. And then Amaro goes, well, after Eric Gardner, we have to be careful. We can't make a scene. And this kind of bothered me because it made it seem like, oh, we can't do our hands are tied because of yeah. this annoying case that happened when it's actually one of the most horrific things I've ever seen in my life. Right. Like a man was strangled to death on the street for selling Lucy's. I mean, it's like horrific. So yeah. I didn't really like the way Amaro talked about it. No, I mean, everything adds to the Amaro picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where like he's a victim. What? Yeah. We're not allowed to fucking make people hit us anymore so that we can arrest them for assaulting a cop. Fuck. That sucks. <laughs> Benson said he was in complete control and knew his rights and she ordered surveillance ASAP and her phone rings and she's like, I'm going to take this. And he says, I'll wait. And just crosses his arms and sits there as she answers the phone. So she like, he won't give her a minute, keeps standing. So she goes into like an interrogation room and it's child protective services. And she's like, um, okay, so your foster kid's in the hospital and you're not here. What the fuck? And she's just like, have you watched the news? I'm trying to catch a killer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not like the uh, expense report was due tomorrow. Right. There's a fucking stab killer on the loose. <laughs> Ugh, but she has no, no one has compassion for her. You know, Olivia Benson shows empathy and compassion to everyone she ever interacts with and no one for her. Yeah. No one gives it to her. And not for nothing. When tiny babies are like in the hospital on machines and stuff, it's like when Rosie was under the lights with jaundice, they were like, go out and get dinner. We'll watch her. Like they want you to like get some time to go sleep and like get some time away. You know, sitting there and staring at a child that's like sitting in a plastic box is not doing anything good for the child. I know. I think it's like, like my mom, if my dad's in the hospital, she, she would sleep there for weeks and wouldn't leave. Like she yeah. just has this old world, but same when my sister had a kid, she's like, you have to walk him in the snow for hours a day. It's like <laughs> Russian old people just love to fucking suffer. <laughs> I also forgot to mention this. I think, if, uh, but she Benson earlier in the episode asks if Amaro's mom can go babysit Noah. Right. And so she misses Amaro relieves <laughs> Lucy. And I do love that. <laughs> I know that's probably her name, but it sounds funny. <laughs> so grandma Amaro is watching baby Noah and it is really nice. Cause this woman's like, and there's a babysitter. She goes, no, it's a friend. It's, it's a family, family friend. friend. 
And she's like, I know this is bad. This isn't me. She's like, I'm just bothered that you're not in the hospital. Like, I know this fractured rib was before, but this is fucked. And it's like, and then Holden's parents arrive. I hate this woman, though. That's always like, you should be so lucky to have somebody like Olivia Benson ready and willing to take on a foster child who she's probably going to adopt. I mean, that's like the path for a kid like this who has no living parents. Like, and you're just being an asshole and trying to like catch her, like doing bad things. It just doesn't. Well, one of our mutual friends posted a thing about like how flippant and insulting it is during this abortion stuff. Like people being like, just a dot, just put it out for a dot. Like it's easy. The and process it's simple. is so hard. Yeah. And it's um really fucked and these kids get bounced around and it's like a really uneducated, rude, disgusting thing to say. But yeah. I don't expect anything else from anti-choice people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the step, oh my God, this is the best. So the stepdad, uh, this is a funny moment, I thought. So the stepdad and mom are fighting and she's just so waspy. She's like, listen, maybe, you know, I'll reach out to everyone and say sorry. And the stepdad goes, no one wants to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I want to send a gift basket to the poor girl that got stabbed to death by my son. Can I? Maybe a little Harry and David number. Um, And they're looking at a list of names and the connections to Holden. So this is from his like manifesto. And there's like a really pretty teacher. And they're like, okay, we think that she's the target. So they like immediately go to find this teacher um, that he took writing classes from. But then because of her decided he never wanted to be a writer again. So I wonder what she did to him to make him give up on his writing dreams. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go meet the teacher. The mom grabs Benson's arm in a way I do not like. And is like, what are you going to do with my boy? He's sick. The police wouldn't hurt a sick boy. And it's like, ma'am, <laughs> they will. <laughs> so cut to St. Francis High School. And, you know, uh, I'm sure Stabler's spirit is floating through the walls. <laughs> Uh, helping uh, nav- navigate the teacher has a floral dress and pearl necklace. And it's like really cute, but um, he wrote fucked up shit about you. So what happened? And she's like, I don't know. I'm hot and they're horny. So like sometimes they have crushes on me. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, well, what happened this year? This is when he quit. R- this is what he's writing about. And she goes, Oh, I got married in the summer. So clearly that's an attack on him. So they scare the shit out of her and are like, where the fuck is your husband? She's like, he's a teacher. He's a teacher at a different school. They run to his school. It's the sister school. Um, another saint, I'm sure. And they run <laughs> into the music room. He's a music teacher and he is stabbed and he is dead and it's just because he married a teacher that was in holden like holden's teacher it's always like girls are so crazy i don't know <laughs> seems like these guys are yeah. so amaro and rollins are in the hallway trying to find this maniac and holden has um a bunch of girls students on the floor he has a gun and one is holding um like the gun to a, a girl's head and he's like don't move or i'll kill this bitch how is she a bitch she's just a music student they're evacuating as many people as possible through the school. And this is really triggering just because like school shootings happen all the time. And just watching that was like really hard to watch. Mm. Um, he's like, I know all your guys are out there. Tell them to chill out. Put your guns down or I shoot this tramp and all pretty girls lie. So shut your fucking mouth and I'm going to shoot everybody. And it's so scary because the girl looks like she's 10. Yeah. Or like she looks too young to be quote unquote slutty or like a tramp. And she's just like a little girl and she looks so terrified. Okay, so Rollins immediately empties the gun. She read the manifesto, so she knows what's up. She get, you know, she gets on the ground. Nick is still trying to do some shit, but he eventually has to empty his gun too. And Rollins, what she does best, she starts to flirt. Turns it on, baby. 
She's like, call me Amanda. Um, so even in stress, she knows how to get the boys fire brewing. So he makes Nick get down on the ground too. Amanda's up and is going to radio them and say, take it easy. And Ice gets the message. So I'm sure they have some sort of lingo. Mm-hmm. And so he tells Benson they're disarmed and trying to bond with the boy. Benson says there's not enough time. The hostage negotiator is here. The mom arrives, begs Benson to talk to her son and begs not to hurt him. And it's like, get away from me. Go away. They handcuff Nick to a stove. LOL. This, so this is a home ec room. I thought it was a music classroom. What is very, happening? I don't know what the funds are like at a Catholic school. <laughs> Holden is very sweaty. There is a sheen. Um, <laughs> Holden asks if Amanda and Nick are fucking and Amanda's silent. And he and he's like, of course you fuck. Pretty girls always fuck jerks. And you're a pretty boy and you annoy me. Good looking all your life and spin the bottle and fucking at 14 and 15. It's not like you're not ugly. Wait, oh, and what? Oh, and it's like you're not he's not he's attractive. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's not ugly. Oh my god. He actually looks like someone I saw. Okay. So whatever. I there was like I ran into someone that looks like him. That's all I could that's all I'm gonna <laughs> that's all I'm gonna reveal. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like your boy band nerd cute. Um, I feel like my teen self could have had a crush on him. Like it's your personality, bro. Yeah. Um, he asked when they lost their virginities and he's like, why would you have sex with this guy? Who's just fucking so many girls. And Amanda turns it on and she's like, I know what he is. And Dodds comes in outside to interfere and is being annoying. And Benson is like, (sighs) Benson's like, listen, Amanda read all the stuff and can be in his mind. So let's just try to do what's up. So there's no murder and no guns and Rollins got it. So shut the fuck up. You dumb piece of eyebrow shit. (laughs) And Amanda's like, listen, it sucks. Other girls don't see how special you are, but like, I like nice guys. I, you know, I want a door open for me. Macho guys suck, but girls want macho, but women don't. And I'm a woman. And that's what I'm here to tell you. I can't, you know, I'm going to tell you, you know, I want to say shit to you, but they're adult things. And I can't tell you in front of all these people they're private things just for you and she gets super close to him and um says i can see how powerful you are and he points the gun right in her head and says oh you do (laughs) so dodds wants to shoot him fast 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 and they're like please shut up at this moment nick and all the young girls run out because he wanted to be alone with Rollins. So the plan is working. So this is amazing. Like, I just don't understand how Dodds is not like, yeah, great. Step one's done. It's like, but was he not ever a cop? Is that what it is? He's just like a political machine. Like, I don't get it. How does he not know? Yeah. And she's like, yes, Nick used to be the guys I would go for, but they lied and they used me. And you know what, Holden, I went back to my high school reunion and everything's different. The sports guys are ugly with ugly wives and the smart guys have everything and they're rich with beautiful wives. And they're just like you, sensitive, considerate and smart. And he's like, I tried, I tried to be. And he's like, I will say Rollins isn't totally off base here. I mean, when I went back to my high school, some of my high school reunions, like a lot of the guys in high school that were hot are like schlubby now. They're like losing their hair you know they're just like not hot anymore but like meanwhile girls that were not like as hot are i don't know girls that were dorky are hot as hell now so it's like girls know how to glow up and guys just glow down that's all i'm saying yeah everyone uh, if you peak in high school it's not gonna go good yeah the rest of life's not gonna be good you might you know get married at 23 and then who knows what happens (laughs) 
We're going back from Dodd's dumbass outside to Holden's dumbass inside. But Rollins is like, I'm a woman. I can see it. I wish we weren't here right now, but I wish we met somewhere else. I think you're superb. I really do. But, you know, I read your manifesto. And he's like, okay. (laughs) She's like, I couldn't put it down. It's brilliant. I'm so sorry for everything you've been through. You deserve to be adored, caressed, and kissed. Caress is a weird word. Yeah. Um, She's amazing, though. I'm loving Rollins in this episode. She (laughs) asked to kiss him. And, well, it's what you wanted. What are you going to do? And then Dodds and crew are watching on an iPad and he's screaming, why won't she get closer to him? Why won't she get close? It's like she's working on it. <laughs> you think it's easy? What the fuck? Um, like she, yeah, she's having a party. So he's lowering the gun. And so obviously there's progress. You'd think the people outside are like, yes, okay, the, the all the people are safe. Then we have the gun down. Like she's doing it. She's doing it. So she goes, okay, we're alone right now. Let's kiss. And he's like, I've never kissed anyone. And right when they're about to kiss, he gets shot in the head. Blood goes all over Amanda's face. And it's traumatic for Amanda, it looks like. I, I mean, know. It's, it reminds me of Fabio with the bird flying into his face. Who? Fabio? Yeah, sure. Do you remember the bird yes, flying in his face? I do <laughs> on the roller coaster. Yes. But I was going to talk about when um, the Erica Christensen scene, when she shot, because it felt like, wasn't there a little tiny bit of blood on Olivia when that yeah, happened? Yeah. Yeah, but fucking Rollins gets sprayed down. No, it looks like she's trying to do like a racist Native American costume. (laughs) It's like full red circle. It's bad. Oh, yeah. And to think this happened and she's refuses to do therapy for how many more seasons? Yeah. Like, this is bad. This is tough. (laughs) So the mom's running. She's crying. And the stepdad, you know, gives her a hug, which is nice. Um, he is lit and I bet inside he's like, thank God I can stop stop paying for that Murray Hill apartment. Uh, he's laying on the ground as blood pours from his head. Okay. And she says, I had him. It was done. Why would you do that? And you know, that sucks. Uh, Benson's now at the hospital with baby Noah and it's really a really, really cute baby. Like, yeah, baby Noah is the cutest. And, you know, I could tell they're, they love each other, their bond. It's all very great. And then it cuts to a video of Holden with a pretty view talking about being on the edge of greatness and he's going to fight back and people will remember him because it's better to die in infamy than live life of obscurity. Is that like a Hitler quote? Um, and he's dead. Okay. Ugh. Well, it's eerily close to the real life crime. So we'll be right no. back and you will find out everything. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s like lavish estates and gardens and of course little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough you can make it into the detective club and there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them which is pretty exciting. And 
you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Lisa, yeah. buckle the fuck up. This is a extremely fucked up real case that happened seven years ago. This episode is based on Elliot Roger, who was a 22-year-old misogynist incel who murdered six people and injured 14 others on a spree in Isla Vista, California, which is um, near Santa Barbara and UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara, in May of 2014. So about five months before this episode aired, this happened in real life. He is known as the king of the incels. So we'll get into the whole story. But if you don't know what an incel is, because people wrote us and was like, what is the word you're saying? Like when we talked about incels before, incel stands for involuntarily celibate or involuntary celibacy. And it was actually the term was coined by a woman uh, who I believe in like the 70s or 80s was doing a um, project online about her own period of not having sex. But it was stolen from her basically after she stopped doing the project from men on the internet who basically they are involuntarily celibate. They want to be having sex, but they're not having sex and they blame women for that fact. It is not their fault. It is the fact that women are withholding sex from them. So that is what an incel is. They're very active uh, in the dark corners of the internet that you would not want to go to, but we'll get to it in a minute. Elliot Roger was raised in Los Angeles by his father, Peter, who was a filmmaker who was actually an assistant director on The Hunger Games. I didn't know that until I looked into it. And his mother, Lee Chin, who was a Malaysian Chinese nurse who worked on film sets and later as a research assistant for a film company. His parents got divorced. His father remarried a Moroccan actress. And then he always portrayed that they had a horrible relationship, that his, his stepmother was like evil, you know? So they sort of flipped the episode sort of flipped it where it's a stepfather and the kid's mom. But um, he was more, it seems like he would more lived with his father, but his mom was in his life. Just like the character Holden, he went to a lot of different high schools around Los Angeles. And in 2011, he moved to Isla Vista to attend Santa Barbara City College. And he had been seeing multiple therapists since he was eight years old. And he was never diagnosed with a mental illness but he was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, which is apparently one of the four autism spectrum disorders. And he got that diagnosis in 2007. So I think he would have been around 15 or something or 16 when he got that diagnosis. Um, he was severely bullied in high school and he was obsessed with World of Warcraft. He had a YouTube account and a blog called Elliot Rogers Official Blog, where he wrote about his loneliness and rejection. And then once he was 18 and he could start, I guess, making more decisions for himself, he really rejected mental health services and became more and more isolated. Like if he had a doctor that suggested medication, he would stop seeing the doctor or, and he just refused to take medication. And he said it was really hard to make friends, but people who knew him said he often rejected people that were being friendly towards him. So I think this is part of um, being like having a spectrum disorder like this is like you don't really understand when people are being friendly with you and you don't really understand the push and pull of social conversations and how you make friends. You know, like he was just like, no one's making friends with me. And it's like people are trying to be nice to you and you're not accepting it. So his father really tried to get him help. Like you read articles with his parent, his father, and like, he seems really, really devastated by what ended up happening to his son. And like, he really was trying to get him help. 
One of the ways he tried to get him help was a famous Beverly Hills therapist named Charles Sophie, S-O-P-H-Y, who um, had seen, I think, Paris Hilton and a bunch of other people who are famous. He's on TV a lot, this guy. And he tried to prescribe medication to Elliot, so Elliot stopped seeing him. The dad was, this blew my mind a little bit. The dad was also friends with a Hollywood screenwriter named Dale Launer, who I looked him up and he's written some of my favorite movies of all time. He's written Ruthless People, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, My Cousin Vinny, and Love Potion Number 9. Funny about this, I haven't seen any of these. Oh my God. You've never seen My Cousin Vinny? No. Love Potion Number 9 is Sandra Bullock, like oh, at the I beginning. Oh, I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She that is. That guy's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tate Donovan? Yeah. Yeah. I have seen that. You're right. Um, but I want to see My Cousin Vinny so bad because there's so many cultural references. Yes. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is one of the best movie and Ruthless People's a Bette Midler. Like, it's so good. Wow. It's, he's I, so responsible he for a lot of my joy. He's friends with the dad and the dad's like, you kind of write rom-coms. Can you talk to my son about like how to talk to women? Because that's probably like talk to another man, not your dad or whatever. It's kind of a nice idea. So he talked to him and he tried to give him some tips and pointers. And one of the things he um, gave him advice about, he was like, why don't you give women compliments? Like if you're walking by a woman that you think is attractive, just say like, Hey, I like your shirt and just keep walking. Don't leer at her. Don't sit around and wait for her to return the compliment. Just say like, Oh, I like your outfit and keep going or whatever. And eventually it'll break down to chit chat. And eventually, you know, they'll feel comfortable about it. It'll turn into a smile, turn into chit chat, whatever. So he was like trying to give the guy some pointers. And Elliot said to him, well, he called him a few, like a little bit later to be like, did you, have you been doing the compliment thing? And he goes, no. And he's like, why not? He goes, why do I have to compliment them? Why don't they compliment me? So you're already getting an idea of this guy's worldview here, right? This guy, Dale Launer, who was a screenwriter, ended up writing an article about his experience trying to help Elliot after this massacre happened. And he said, I'm not a psychologist, but looking back now, he strikes me as someone who was broken from the moment of conception. Tough, tough stuff. Um, Elliot was a frequent visitor to incel online forums like PUA Hate and Forever Alone. PUA is pickup artist. So those are those are forums that I've read about because um, there's an article that I've mentioned on this podcast before about incels getting plastic surgery to look more attractive, which is so nuts because in their before pictures, many of them are attractive. Like your face is not the issue. Like you do not have a deformity. Like there's nothing wrong with your looks. It's your personality. So we'll link to that in our show notes, but um, it's an article in the cut that I found very interesting because there is a plastic surgeon in, I believe, Indiana, who is just doing all these surgeries on incels. They fly from around the world to get to him and he makes their jaws more angular, makes them more into who they think hot guys are. It's crazy. So anyway, he spends all this time in these uh, forums. He calls himself an incel and he he definitely had like rage incidents that precluded his killing spree. Just like in the show, he had an incident where he spilled coffee on people, uh, a couple that was making him jealous. And then one time he got, he threw coffee on women who didn't smile at him. Uh, in 2013, there was like a big inciting incident that happened for him where he was at a party. He got mocked. He, he stood up on a 10 foot ledge and apparently was doing fake like finger guns, like blowing people away or whatever. And then he tried to push some girls over this 10 foot ledge, but the guys pushed him over instead. And he broke his ankle. And like when his dad picked him up, his, the story he told his dad was completely different than what happened. It was like, they attacked me. They called me names, blah, blah. And it's like, well, maybe they did, but it, that was after you tried to assault some women. So he later wrote in his manifesto that we'll talk about, that this was the catalyst for his attacks. And this was about 10 months earlier. So uh, in April, a month before the attacks, Elliot's parents... Do we know what the story he spun was? 
Oh, to his dad, he just said, these guys attacked me. They were just being mean to me. They called me the F word. Like they were being horrible to me and beating me up. And it was like, yeah, but you left out the part where you tried to push girls off of a 10 foot ledge. So they were defending them and like, they probably shouldn't have used the F word if that happened. But besides that, I think you kind of got what you were deserving. And then a month before the attacks in April, Elliot's parents actually called the police because they were concerned about like his online videos, his behavior, his temperament. And the cops showed up and they determined that he wasn't a danger. And he later wrote in his manifesto that he thought he was totally busted when the cops showed up. He was like, I thought like, so kind of like how when Liv and Amaro showed up and I told you, I was like, that's so crazy that he kept it so cool. Like he had just committed a murder. This guy sort of same thing kind of was like, Nothing's going on, but he hadn't done anything yet, but he had a ton of guns in his house and the cops obviously didn't have any reason to search and never went in there. Later, I read something where his dad said that he is a he's like, I'm not anti-gun, but I do think there should be gun checks because if the police had gone to his apartment and talked to him and knowing that he had all those guns, maybe they would have been able to take them away from him. But I kind of don't think they would have. They didn't think anything was wrong with him. So I'm sure they're in. I bet they were friends on the chat room. Yeah. <laughs> So lucky for him, a lot of cops are bad at their jobs and he was able to keep preparing for these attacks. Like he visited a gun rage. He purchased weapons legally in the state of California. And then on May 23rd, he started out by stabbing three men to death. His two roommates, Chen Yuan Hong and George Chen, who were 20 and 19 respectively. And then Wei Han Wang, who is was a friend of theirs who was over, was age 20. So a friend. Yeah. These, these three men were known to him. These were his friends. All three of them were students at UCSB, and as all of his victims were ultimately students at UCSB. Uh, Chang and George were his roommates. Like I said, Wei Han was their friend. Their bodies were discovered later. Like, they weren't discovered after he killed them, right after he killed them. So after he kills them, he goes to get a coffee, and then he goes and sits in his car, and he records this video that's um, called Elliot Rogers Retribution. And he uploads it. He first he sends out a 137 page, 107,000 word manifesto called My Twisted World, the story of Elliot Roger. He sends that to 34 people, including his therapist, his parents, other family members, former teachers and childhood friends. So kind of this like, is very exact. This is very exact. OK, so you said I for sure would know this. And I just Googled him. I do not recognize him. You don't I recognize have no, him? I have no idea I about this like, case. How do I not know about this case? I was wrapped by this story. Like I was Googling it like I was constantly up getting updates. I thought the main incel was the guy in Canada who like ran over a bunch of people who was taking a note from Elliot. He Got followed it. him. He talks about him in his uh in his posts that he did right before he did that. Yeah. And I'm looking at him and it's like, you're right. It's like, you're not, you're actually like a teen would want to date you. Yeah. No, you're what teens think no, is he's cute. Literally like he's got huge, like big full lips. Like he looks like a model, the guy like it's wild. Okay. So like I said, he, uh, he emails this manifesto around to these 34 people. Then he posts his YouTube video, which I did watch called Elliot Rogers retribution. And he's just sitting in his BMW with a pair of designer sunglasses, like hooked right here. Like, so he's got, he's not, it's like you were saying before, it's like, you don't have a lot to complain about. Like you're pretty set. Like you've got education is being provided for you. You have everything you need, like food, water, shelter, everything you need. You know, you just don't have women and that's a problem for you. 
And this video is very, very eerie. If you want to watch it, it's linked in our show notes. But it's like he's just to camera speaking in that same weird kind of clipped, calm tone and just being like, you women don't give me like you date bad guys when I am a pure he says I he says something like I'm a pure gentleman like he says all of this stuff but he truly but he won't even no compliment idea. a girl yeah but he can't bring himself to compliment a woman so it's like just the idea of and I think he got a little bit radicalized on these incel forums probably it's very clear from looking at like the video and also clips of the uh, manifesto that he was there was a lot of self-loathing like he wrote a lot of anti-asian stuff and a lot of anti-black stuff and he is asian he's but he's half white so he'd be like i'm half white i'm a descendant of aristocrats while blacks are descendants of slaves like he would say right and say sh crazy shit like that and these guys don't know how to edit no Such 137 long. pages come on let's do a quick once over and cut the stuff out like what chanel says do a spin cut a couple We're chapters not, chanel is not our hero oh that's right we she is that. a nazi i know i didn't know that until you told me i know we can get her clothes <laughs> i don't know maybe. i think jews make money off of the clothes and stuff but she wasn't even a sympathizer like my friend said it she's like yeah buy the perfume the that doesn't matter anymore like everyone's kind of whatever but like can we not put her in children's books yeah like, yeah yeah coco chanel said that like yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> there are totally children's books about coco chanel um okay but yes you're right could have used some editing he just he would he was very racist he was very um he was obsessed, I think, with the fact that he was only half white. Like he thought that m women like white men and that he was like, but I'm half white. Like, that's good still. And he thought full Asian men were ugly and horrible and like beasts and all this stuff. So I don't know if that has to do with the fact that he killed his three Asian friends and roommates. But, yeah. you know, that's clearly part of it. Um, so when his parents received the manifesto, they immediately like got in their car in L.A. and started like racing to Santa Barbara, which is like a 100 mile, two hour drive. And they were calling the cops like they knew something bad was about to happen. And then um, after sending out the manifesto, and this is keep in mind, he's all he's casually killed three people, gone to get a coffee and then sent out the manifesto. He sent out the manifesto around 917 p.m. Then he goes to the Alpha Phi sorority house at UCSB, where he banged on the door like very aggressively for a while. No one answered. So he just turned around and shot three women who were on the sidewalk. Um, and two of them died, Catherine Cooper and Veronica Weiss. And they were actually members of Delta Delta Delta. And then a woman named Bianca DeCock survived multiple gunshot wounds. Um, then he got in his car and he was shooting out of his car. He shot into a coffee shop that was closed. He shot into a deli mart where he shot and killed Christopher Michaels Martinez with a single gunshot wound to the chest. And then he just started to mow people down in his BMW. He was shooting. He was running people over with his car. Um, all of these victims luckily survived. And then after two shootouts with the police, he shot himself once in the head and his car crashed into parked cars at 9.35 p.m. So this all went down in under 20 minutes. Like just a wild spree of him going through the streets and just shooting at people. Um, in the car where they found him, there were three pistols, knives, six empty 10-round magazines, and 548 rounds of unspent ammunition. And then hours later, right after midnight, when they went to go search his apartment, that's when they found the bodies of the roommates and the friend. So that's basically what happened. So in the aftermath of these, like this horrific mass killing, of course, people went after gun laws and like the NRA and stuff, which I am all for. Like, I believe the NRA is demonic, but like, 
I still don't think all the gun check laws are going to stop someone like this from getting a gun because he had never displayed any violence before then. Like this was a. But he probably wouldn't be able to uh, pass a psych eval. Hopefully. I mean, he had an undiagnosed. His diagnosis was very. Who knows? You know, his diagnosis was very like, oh, sort of spectrum, but otherwise un, uh, unassigned. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. I don't know. Hopefully it would. But I think that it's more to me, it feels more of like a mental health issue because there's just this misogynistic culture on the Internet that I think is like breeding these guys. And so I think that's part of the problem, too. So it's like his deep rooted entitlement, which you touched on in the episode, like um, is clearly a huge part of it. He felt he deserved a lot more than he was being given. And he was a virgin. And he was like, that's completely unfair. And then according to the International Center for Counterterrorism at The Hague, these attacks were an act of misogynist terrorism, which I had never heard that phrase before, but I think that's very prevalent. There's a lot of crimes that are like aiming at women, you know, Um, a few years later after this happened, like around 2017, 2018, organizations like the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Anti-Defamation League started to track male supremacy and misogynist ideology. And like, even though he technically had more male victims than female victims, his hatred towards these men was all driven by the fact that it was women. They, they had taken women that were supposed to be for him. Like he was killing people that he was like, you've taken women that are for me, you know? So in the incel community, unfortunately, Elliot Roger became an icon. Like he is called their saint. Like he might be the first person in the incel community to actually like go do a violent thing. So he's often referred to as ER in a lot of posts and violence is often called going ER, like going postal, you know, several other mass murderers have referred to Elliot in their manifestos or in online posts before committing their crimes. The guy you were talking about, Lisa, is named Alec Manassian. He was a 25 year old man who drove into a crowded Toronto sidewalk and killed 10 people, injured at least 16 more people. He wrote some kind of post that was like all hail ER, like before he did it. And then, um, all of the the whole crux of incels is that they have problems and they instead of ever focusing the problems on themselves and how they can fix themselves, it's they focus on blaming other people. And he said multiple times in his therapy sessions and his manifesto, like, I can't blame myself. I don't blame myself. I have to find someone to blame for my problems. And I don't blame myself. So <sighs> it's, uh, it's, all too it's darkness. It is darkness. I mean, I... I will post on our Instagram. We posted a really interesting like infographic that somebody made about incels and it really, really explains about them. So uh, I'll repost that on our stories when this episode comes out. So you can check that out. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, the good news is now this stuff is being tracked a little bit more like Reddit had a a group that was like a uh, subreddit called forward slash incels. And that's been shut down. Like a lot of stuff is getting shut down. So, but they always find a place to go. And, you know, it's always unfortunate to have another example of police not preventing crime or doing any sort of good work to stop this. Yeah. Cause that seemed like something that would have been like, uh, let's keep an eye on this guy. Like this is something's off with him, you know? Ugh. but, and yeah, sucks, sucks for your parents too. I don't know. Whatever. Well, I would like to say, yeah, I would like to say that like he hopefully wouldn't have gotten guns, but I feel like even with background checks, somebody like this, like who was intelligent and could really like sort of fake it could probably still get one, you know? It's just so weird to put all your energy into this instead of all your energy into trying to find a date. 
it is kind of crazy because when you look at him, he's he's a very handsome guy. And rich. And rich. And smart. Yeah. So like, okay, bro. Yeah. And I bet you that there were women that were interested in him that he thought were not good enough. Mm -hmm. I want blondes. I want the hottest girls. You know what I mean? Like, but I followed this story when it first came out. Like, I was like blown away by it. Because I don't think I knew what incels were until him. Damn. So anyway, that's the story of Holden's manifesto slash Elliot Roger, the king of the incels. Well, now we've got an interview that's going to knock your socks off. All right, let's get into today's interview. You guys were so excited to talk to this guy. He played Noah Foster in the slasher TV series Scream. And maybe you saw him in Dirty John or in the Oscar nominated film Lady Bird. But to us, he will always be Holden March. Please enjoy our little convo with John Karna. Is this long hair for a role? Is this who you are in your heart? Are you a surfer guy? <laughs> what's your what is the what's the vibe? You know, I mean, it happened like pandemic happened and then the hair just kept growing. But I got to be honest, I think this is the vibe now. I think I'm going to move into a new chapter of this. (laughs) And with the tie dye, it's just really nice. Thank you so much for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) So we got to start, I would say the episodes Holden's Manifesto. You are Holden. How did you feel when you found out that you were going to be the kind of star of this SVU episode? (laughs) Oh, man, it honestly uh, was so crazy because, you know, I was in L.A. uh, auditioning for it was like a tape. And, you know, he's like he's holding the camera to himself. I mean, very much like the real guy. You know, and so I kind of did that in my crappy apartment in the valley and, you know, was (laughs) so uh, bummed out on the camera and uh, it was insane. I mean, it was such a pleasure to do that. I like SVU is amazing. That's that show is cool. Had you been a watcher before you like went out for this part? Kind of like, you know, at my grandma's house, (laughs) you know how that goes. But besides that, I mean, I always liked it when it came on, but then. You know, it's crazy. You do something like that and you realize like the community is deep. And uh, and that was cool to find out. Like, I remember even when I was shooting it, like the director who'd done like, you know, countless episodes, he kept being like, man, you know, this your character might be one that people are going to really hate. You know, you better watch out for some hate from the community. <laughs> and, Did you uh, get hate? Honestly, they just said I sounded like Christopher Walken, which I took as a... <laughs> As a compliment. <laughs> oh my God, that's really funny. A young incel Christopher Walken. You were very creepy. Very creepy. Where was the inspiration? Is there a specific person? And you mentioned you knew the real case. You knew the guy. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember I remember when that happened, you know, the Elliot Rogers shooting at UCSB. And it was I was like, I had just moved to Los Angeles and it uh, made me quite emotional when I heard about it. Um, and so uh, I really kind of went deep into Elliot Roger, which was pretty brutal, man. Like you, I watched a ton of his YouTube videos and he basically, you know, was saying a lot of the stuff that was in the episode, you know, that like girls don't like me. They only go for this certain kind of guy. And, um, he did even write a manifesto and I tried to read as much of it as I could, but manifestos are pretty bad 
writing. Like it's hard to, yeah. hard to get classically. through. It starts. Yeah. Classically <laughs> legendarily. It was not, <laughs> it wasn't great, but yeah, that, so I kind of went and also, you know, doing SVU, you're like, as an actor, you're just so excited to be kind of joining, you know, there's just like a really amazing history of really beautiful actors on that show. So I, yeah, I was, you know, starting out, I really hadn't worked that much and I really tried to take it very seriously. I was like journaling as Holden, you know, for like weeks. I remember even in the trailer there, I'm like, I'm not talking to anybody. I was just like journaling and, you know, I, I, I I tried to get intense. So I'm glad you thought it was creepy. That's good. Yeah, no, it really was. So to, I keep, I guess to keep going on this creep trend, how was it to like, um, did you know how to hold a gun? How was it holding a gun to a teen? Pointing a gun oh, at Kelly Giddish. Yeah. How was that gun scene? <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I really, I kind of knew how to hold a gun. I'm, you know, I'm from Texas and <laughs> I have some family who's really deep in that vibe. So a little father son bonding happened back in the day of like, you know, son, I'm really gonna have to teach you, you know, but I, uh, <laughs> This will come in handy when I'm acting. Yeah, I'm like, dad, I can't wait to go to musical theater school and (laughs) hold that gun on stage. But (laughs) I, uh, yeah, you know, you you talk to the prop guy like the day before you shoot and you're like, hey, can I kind of see what this is like? It's just, it's so heavy. It's a lot heavier than you expect, you know, but that, and oh, and that girl that I had to hold hostage, she was so sweet, man. Such a kind vibes. (laughs) And after every take, it was like, I'm so sorry. You know, this is very intense. <laughs> and and talking about Kelly too, she, she's from the South as well. I remember because she had said this phrase in the trailer, you know, th- have you heard this phrase? It's like, it's so brutal. It's uh, it's like when it's raining, but it's sunny out. People in the South say, well, devil's beating his wife. <laughs> you ever... <laughs> You ever heard very SVU? <laughs> it's no, very never SVU, heard it. but I remember she had said that. And I was like, oh, "Are you from the south?" So we kind of we got along a lot. So in between takes, we were kind of just like you know wrapping it out. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. in between her trying to like seduce you uh, and get you to drop the gun, you guys yeah. were shit chatting. Oh man, and she was amazing. I remember I learned such a really cool thing about acting that day because. Um, she, right. <laughs> you know, like she's, she's really, she's really focused in just trying to seduce Holden. Right. And she had this one take where she was just, you know, really emotional and crying. And like, it, it, to me, I'm watching it being like, wow, this is really, really special. And it, they, you know, they yelled cut and the director was just like, oh my God, that was amazing. Kelly. And she was like, no, stop. We're not, we're doing it again. We have to do it again you know, she would not be crying like that. That is not how you would make it happen. You know, like, and so then she did the next take and it was so focused and it was deeply connective, but she wasn't revealing that part of herself in that moment. And Mm. that's the take that they used. And I just was like, wow, right. That's the thing. There's so many actors who want to just like show that they could cry, you know, and be like, this means I'm a good actor. And I really respected Kelly for being like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm going to be trying to do today. And to ask for another one. Yeah. And the fact that she asked for another one, I really learned how to do that. I'm like, it's so crazy. And you know, like when you're a guest star on a machine like that, you're just like taken in by these people who, I mean, they have done this work for so long in this environment and it's, 
I mean, it's so cool to watch that. That was like the most professional set, you know, that one of the most I've ever been on for sure. Well, I also, I'm a huge ladybird person. Oh, damn. Yeah, me too. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, is how does it feel to be in like a Oscar nominated winning attention, cool movie with such a great part? Like, um, how was that? <laughs> That was like the, I mean, the most insane. I'm so, honestly, it kind of feels like a dream now that it's been a few years, but it was, uh, I mean, it was just crazy, honestly, to be a part of this like high school musical that we all rehearsed, you know, like we did like a week of actual just rehearsals with like Sersha and Beanie and like, you know, Lucas and like all of these actors I really respect. And we're just like doing a funny version of merrily we go we roll along you know and um and you know i went to school for musical theater for a couple of years so it was like crazy to do that again you know just to be singing show tunes so beautiful That's so great wait so what were your big um parts in college or high school that you were very proud of and excited dream theater <laughs> parts you know favorite songs to sing i i sang wicked in my car yesterday so excellent okay wow i i don't get to talk about this a lot i'm really <laughs> grateful you're asking <laughs> um you know i back in high school we did damn yankees my senior year and I was Mr. Applegate, who is the devil. And it was, it was a very exciting time because I got nominated for a Tommy Toon Award in Houston, Texas, which is like Ooh. high school theater, you know, best leading actor vibe. Wow. It was, wow. Yeah, I really felt, I mean, I, I still think it's the proudest my mom's ever been, even in spite. <laughs> she, she was really excited about me being a rapist in SVU as well, but I, I think it was harder for her to, tell uh her friends her about. friends yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah love damn yankees can't beat it what would be your dream theater role broadway ultimate moment bobby from company once i once i get a little older i love company. is that the role that barba's played before i don't know if you know this lisa but barba from svu has been um Sparza, are we talking yeah. about yeah oh yes and it turns out he i don't know if it's still on netflix but he there's a staged production that got filmed on that was on netflix and it is he's the lead and it is the most amazing production people have sent us the clip of him singing being alive is that it's, from that yes and it's yeah. so good because everybody in it's all about you know he's the only single person every scene is with all his friends who are in married relationships and stuff like that and everybody in the show plays an instrument and plays with the score, like with the stuff. He doesn't play an instrument the entire time because he isn't quite married yet. You know, he's part, not part of the band. But by the end, when he sings Being Alive, he finally sits down and plays the piano on his own. And it's so, I mean. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like my favorite. I mean, and he's, Raul Spars is like, I mean, he got his start in the musical theater, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, no, he's very worshipped as a musical theater person, I feel. Also, we talk about this a lot, but our listeners want to have sex with him more than we ever knew before we started the podcast. Really? He's like a heartthrob, <laughs> like people want him uh, badly. Is that more or less than Chris Maloney with those no, we, sexy ass dudes? We, so, it, <laughs> so it has been Maloney and the ass has been a good moment, but his character is so toxic in this way. So there's been kind of a right. backlash in the past decade of like, actually, fuck Maloney and Mershka <laughs> deserves more. And, right. uh, but we didn't know this. And then people came um, really hard because we made like a hunk 
guessing game on Instagram and we didn't <laughs> put him in and they're like, where the fuck is Raul? Yeah, they want okay. to yeah. 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 He's got those sunken eyes. He looks so, he looks like he hasn't slept because he's been writing <laughs> you poetry all night. It's very attractive. <laughs> Oh, also, how did it feel to be kind of like an asshole to um, Danny Pino and Mershka Hargitay? That scene with the bicycle outside. Don't touch my bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was that? <laughs> that was sick. You know, that was another moment where I was like, damn. I mean, I'm sure everybody says it on this show. Like Mariska is obviously a goddess and maybe right. like the, the most beautiful symbol for being a strong female. Like it's so fucking sick. And she, I remember it was that year. A lot of the teamsters had been saying, you know, they're like, I think this is, you know, this is her first year coming on as a producer, you know, cause it was season 16 and it was so rad the way that like, during that scene, as we were blocking it, you know, the director had an idea for it and was kind of blocking it for a second. And then Mariska looked at him and was like, no, that's not how it's going to go. I'm going to be coming in from here. And then she's going to be coming in from here. This is, this is how, and everyone's like, Mariska, you're so right. You are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool to see the way she did that. That was awesome. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how all the like, um, filming works? Like when you're, Cause obviously the footage that we're seeing when you're filming yourself is like from a camera, it's like not from a phone. So right. like how does, how does that all work? Oh yeah. That's pretty funny. Cause you would think like, you know, they wouldn't want to give an actor free reign over what's getting shot. So obviously my director right. friend was like sitting there, like holding the camera, you know, taking a look at it, like kind of holding my wrist as I held it up on me. And then, you know, there's a dude with the lights right there. And so you were uh, holding it. So I, I kind of was, but I was, my wrist was getting forced around by a much stronger wrist, you know? <laughs> was that and distracting? That seems hard. It was a little bit. And you know, a lot of those times, like that scene where I'm like banging on the wall and I, I it was something I was quite nervous for. Cause I think it's like the longest one of those in the episode where I'm kind of like monologuing about how I'm beautiful and girls don't like me or whatever. And <laughs> the, I just remember yeah. Like we only had maybe two takes worth. Like we didn't have a lot of time. And so it was just like, I remember he came up to me. It was like, Hey man, this is your moment. And you just really need to get it right. in like two tries. Okay. And I was like, okay, okay, man. You know? Wow. 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 Uh, what are your go-to snacks at crafty? Oh. What are your craft service snacks? Oh yeah. Okay. You know, I, I don't even know, man. A lot of times I'm kind of nervous and I'm not, you know, I, okay. I'm doing some, I'm doing some nuts. I'm doing mm -hmm. classic popcorn. We got skinny pop all the time at crafty, yep. you know, you got to get into skinny pop and it's really just a ton of coffee. I'm going deep on the coffee over there. Yeah. He's nice. Also, iced tea is amazing. And I just want to put a shout out to iced tea. Yes. The give person. us a story. Give us some oh. iced tea, the food, the drink. No, uh, the, no, the no. guy, the well, man. The, well, the guy and the drink, but really the guy. <laughs> yes. My iced tea story is that the only scene that I shared with him is that he walks in and sees my dead body, right? And <laughs> the whole time he's chilling, tweeting. And I'm sure you guys know his Twitter is incredible. Like he's, yes. he's a Twitter king. And and I was retweeted by him once and it that oh, was enough for me. That man, <laughs> that's really beautiful. And yeah, Ice-T, he's, he's like, he, he was chilling in his chair and he didn't know me at all. And he was like, he was like, 
yo, kid, <laughs> get over here. He was, he was like, let me show you this cool fucking tweet I just tweeted. And then I was like, what? And I read it and it was really cool. And then I was like, I see that's really cool. And that, that was it. And, and by the, and he, he stayed in his chair the entire time. Like even when they yelled rolling, like he didn't even see what he was going to do in the scene until they yelled rolling. And then he walked into the room while I was a dead body and was like, so where do I stand? And everyone's like, I see you stand over there. You're going over there. And then you're going to say this. And he's like, got it. And then the, they called action and he was amazing. He was just like, he got it in one take. One oh take wonder. Wow. He's a Wait, one were take you like wonder. covered in blood when he wanted you to come look at his tweet? I, w- I had like a little bit of blood on me. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> hanging out. I was so honored that he wanted me to look at his tweet. And it was a really sick tweet. Well, this has been just a pleasure. I don't know if you have anything else, Lisa, but this has been so great. No, this is Thank awesome. you so much for talking we to us. We wish you lots of success. We hope that you're a great number one on a call sheet for years to come. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I'm sorry about my dog, y'all. I hope that didn't mess up anything. No, it's totally endearing. fine. It was just a couple little yelps. Yeah, she loves to yelp. She loves to <laughs> yelp. <laughs> John was amazing. He's so cute. You guys, what a cutie. Surfer, surfer He's baby. He's got like long surfer vibes. Yeah, a cute dog. He's like, what's up, bros? Like, and he's just fully the most opposite of Holden March that you could possibly get. But that's good. That means we had a good actor on the line. I wish him the best. That's what I yes. I want um, yeah. a lifelong career for this man. Yeah, just such a good positive dude. And this episode was unfortunately not positive. It was very fucked up. You know, we um, need to end this epidemic of incels, but I doubt we ever will uh, because men will always feel entitled to have women. So, yeah, it's like these people are mad they're not getting fucked, refuse to be nice to women. And then also, I think, are against people, you know, charging for sex. I feel like these are the guys that are also like reporting OnlyFans girls for not paying their taxes or something, you know, like, yeah, I think they're also mad if you are a slut, you know, it's like, well, because they have like Madonna and whore complexes. It's like, like we were talking about, like, not only does it have to be, not only do you deserve a woman, but you deserve the hottest woman and she has to be hot by your standards. Like she has to have these certain like things you think make a hot girl. Um, But yeah, it's like, I feel like, what we don't need to learn this, but what people need to learn is that I think a lot of women are attracted to personality. So you just need to be a good person and you don't need to get your face actually plastic surgeried in order for women to think that you're hot. But most people don't think they're bad people. Yeah. You know, most people don't think they're the problem. (laughs) Um, Listen, I don't know if there's that much we learned from this episode unless you didn't know what an incel was or you didn't know about this horrific crime. But in, our, in this postmortem, it's kind of just like I wish the police would keep an eye on people whose own parents called you and said, we think he's a danger. It would be cool for the cops to keep an eye on the person like that. Um, we would love. Yeah, we're I guess gun tighter control. gun restrictions. But yeah, it's just like I don't I want to know the arguments of the people that are against like. um oh, are you mentally unstable? How dare you stop me from getting a gun? Like, I just don't get that argument. I don't think I should have a gun. (laughs) No, exactly. I don't want a gun. I don't trust myself with a gun. I don't think I would shoot a person. That's not my vibe, but I would shoot the ground, I think. And it could ricochet. Yeah. I'll play devil's advocate here because 
I, you know, I never, I have zero desire to have a gun. I don't like guns. I, I, we definitely need more gun control in this country. But I think that what people think is everyone has a right to have a gun. And once the government starts deciding who is quote unquote crazy and who's not, it's a slippery slope. Like if you have like a panic attack and you're hospitalized, does that go on your record and you can never buy a gun if you want to have a gun? Like, when does it stop? I think that's the argument. And I, I, and I, and again, I'm playing full devil's no, advocate, but I don't want anyone to have for a sure. But gun. that's a dumb argument because it's like, don't you think a gun should have the same amount of like testing as a as a car? Like for me, it's a driver's license. It's a car situation where it's like for sure it's the same thing. Yeah, but plenty of plenty of crazy people get a driver's license. Yeah, but crazy doesn't matter. But if you can't see, they might try to stop you from getting a license. Or if you have two DUIs, right. you can't get a license. If you don't pass your driver's test, right. you don't get a license. If you don't have insurance, you don't get a license. And you have to go in every five t- depending on where you live. I know Arizona, you can just have one license for your whole fucking life but (laughs) yeah you do have to go in and get yeah i'm fine everyone has a right to a gun cool but you have to take a psych eval if you need a psych eval to get on the bachelorette you should have to take a psych eval to get a gun yes (laughs) that's the argument that's the argument i'm not trying to take guns away (laughs) from anybody but if you have domestic violence charges if you've beaten your children if you've assaulted a woman if you've stalked somebody you don't get a gun what is this yeah But our society hates women, so it doesn't matter. You can just, like, keep beating women and get as many guns as you fucking want. (sighs) But that's how I feel with the mask people. Because, like, I don't want to wear seatbelts. I'm sick of wearing seatbelts. I hate that the car beeps. I think it's bullshit that a car beeps. If I don't want to wear a seatbelt, that's on me. But, like, what are you going to do? And that's how I feel with these mask people. It's like, let's leave the masks and let's fight for these seatbelts. I'm sick of my car beeping at me. (laughs) Lisa, I want you to live if somebody fucking yeah. But if I'm just you. doing a quick uh, two minute drive to you know to get coffee at you know my favorite A Block, um, it's a two minute drive from my house. I don't want to wear a seatbelt. If I'm parking and I have to focus and I need to take my seatbelt off, I don't need the car beeping at me. I'm already trying to focus. <laughs> there should be a way to override. I'm a fucking it. adult. I, I don't wear seatbelts in the back seat. Yeah, my dad told me I didn't have to, but. I don't know. That's so fucking Russian. I can't even (laughs) handle it. Um, Perfect. Although I will say when I was a kid, my dad would have us ride in his van that didn't have seats in it sometimes. Like sometimes he'd take the seats out to haul stuff and he'd still pick us up in it and there were no seats. So he'd be like, just sit with your back to my seat because if there's an accident, you'll just go backwards. And I'm like, "Uh, okay. Like in retrospect, it's like I was just like a full gumball blobbing around in a machine alone like i could have absolutely been killed so our friend julia her boyfriend grew up her um his dad um had a van but took all the seats out and tied uh beach lawn chairs in the back seat of the van instead (laughs) so you can sit in a beach chair in the car sounds safe very florida there was a lot of opinions in this episode i do feel very uh morning news like am i rush limba i mean that's i've truly been feeling with all this research i'm doing i'm like am i gonna get a nobel prize because i'm reading the washington post right now it's like i've never i read two new yorker articles for an episode coming out soon and i was like who am i what's happening here they're definitely giving out nobel prizes to people that read um a certain amount of uh prestige (laughs) articles so I'm finger, my fingers are crossed for you. <laughs> um, oh, wait, one thing we forgot to mention was that our guest, John, does have a fantasy thriller movie coming out in October on October 15th called The Blazing World. And he's super cute. And you should go see it and watch him. And he's very talented. 
Let's get into our What Would Sister Peg Do segment, which is our weekly segment where we direct you towards an article, a book, a website, an organization that can help you um, further understand or touch down on a topic that we uh, hit on our um, in our episode. And um, today I wanted to just point out this article. I'm a really big fan of this writer, Gia Tolentino. I've been following her since she worked at like the Gawker websites and um, she's a great writer. And she wrote an article for the New Yorker. If anyone else wants to win a Nobel prize <laughs> and it's called the rage of the incels. And we will put the link to that in our show notes. And I just think it's an interesting article. If you want to understand further about incel culture and um, how, how these like young men are being radicalized on the internet. And that's that. Thank you. I will be reading that, um, adding it to my resume. Um, and then next week's episode is going to be Loophole. That's season eight, episode 13. Join us, watch it, don't watch it, but listen to the pod. Um, and the episodes are on Hulu, Peacock, and any, you know, VPN sticks or whatever um, you find in your country. And yeah, thrilled. Thrilled you guys listen and like it. And we're thrilled to do this week after week. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmessedappod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmessedappod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to SVU Superfan and our incredible producer, Hannah Kyle Creighton. And to our sound engineer and personal hero, Annalise Nelson. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song. To Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thanks to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. Dun-dun! dun, dun. <laughs>